Lord God of heaven, creator of everything. As we open up your word right now, we ask that you speak to us. I ask that you illuminate your word so we can see it clearly, Lord. Let it penetrate deep within our hearts, deep within our minds. And let your word just transform us, Lord. Show us things that we don't know. Reveal yourself to us through your word, Lord. Let us not leave here without having a better understanding of who you are. We ask, Lord, that you just bless this time completely. Pour your spirit upon this room here, Lord, and fill us with your love, grace, mercy. Open up our ears this morning, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, I wanted to share a, a quick story. There's a few moments in my life that I distinctly remember where I was, what was, you know, how I felt, how I, what was happening at that, I, I just remember it distinctly, you know, meeting Robin was one of them, you know, having, you know, my first kiss with her and, you know, um, <laughs> when my kids were born, um, I remember that distinctly, each one of them, how I felt when I first saw them and held them. Um, I remember the first time, you know, I heard that song that just completely changed my life. I heard the lyrics to the song and, and it just did something within me that completely changed the way I saw myself in the world. And, but I also remember more than anything, the first time the gospel was what's preached to me. I won't get into the full story, but, but one thing I know is that I had probably heard it a thousand times prior to that. But this one time, it finally sunk. It finally hit me, and it finally just was, it, it made sense. And even though it, it took probably like a week or two, before I actually asked the Lord to come into my heart, I know that it was that night that I heard the gospel, my heart was ready for it. I understood it and it made sense. And I think that's what happens in a lot of people's lives is that they, they hear the word of God they hear the word of God, whether it's through an evangelist or through a preacher or, you know, through a tape or, or a CD or a video or whatnot. 
and a lot of times they they hear it and it just it goes in through one ear and out the other and it doesn't make sense it doesn't it doesn't connect but there does come a day there does come a time when it it does it just hits you hard and it it it, it almost like how come i didn't get this early how come you start questioning yourself like whoa and it's it's during those times, I think, that your heart is finally ready. Your heart is soft enough where it's just finally ready for it, to, to receive it. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. That's what, one of the things we're going to be studying this morning. Um, we'll be looking at, at Jesus' one, known, one of his best-known parables. Now, some people, um, it's here in our Bibles, in my Bible, it's titled um, Parable of the Sower. In some Bibles, in some places, it's, it's called the parable, or the parable of the Four Soils. Now, as we go through it, you'll see how we're given the unique privilege of hearing this parable as it's told by Jesus to the crowd. And we'll also be given the meaning, if it w- if the meaning of it as it was explained by Jesus to his 12 disciples. Now, this parable is meant, to care- is meant for us to carefully examine the effectiveness of God's word in our lives. Are you listening to understand and apply God's word? Or are you hearing God's word but not listening? And that's one of the biggest problems that, that I guess, again, going back is to, to, to all those times I heard the gospel is that I would hear it, but I just never listened. And this is, uh, in this parable, that's, that's the main point, is that Lord wants us to listen to, to it. You know, how many times again have we heard the gospel, the message of salvation, and, and it's just, whatever, we don't get it. But have you ever really spent time just listening? You see, there's, there's a tremendous difference between hearing and listening. I can hear my kids and my wife talking to me, and, but it, if I'm not listening to what they're saying, it won't connect. It, won't, it just won't click. I have to really pay attention. I have to listen. And I admit, sometimes I do. I'm just hearing that, you know, <laughs> I'm learning how to be a better listener. <laughs> you know, and I, so what I hope that by the time we leave here today, by the time you leave here today, you'll understand that difference. And that's what I'll be talking about today. So again, please open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. And we'll be starting in verse, starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into the boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was on the shore facing the sea. He taught them many things in parables and his teaching, I'm sorry, he taught them many things in in parables and in his teachings he said to them, listen. Now I'm going to stop there for a second. So far we've seen in every chapter that large crowds were following Jesus. You have these and, I, and it is, it's almost in every, I think it's in every chapter we've read so far. These large crowds coming to see Jesus, to hear Jesus. And every single time Jesus 
neither performs a miracle, he drives out demons, but he does, there are just a huge, a large amount of people there. We even see that at one point, it, it was necessary for Jesus to make arrangements to have a boat ready for him in case things got too chaotic. And we see that in, in chapter three, verse nine. So rather than risking the safety of everyone, Jesus decides that the best thing for him to do is probably get a boat and teach out of this boat. Again, these large crowds were getting to him and, and things were getting, things were getting, at times getting pretty chaotic. So what he wants to do is he wants to deliver this message effectively. He wants to be able to have the crowds just really pay attention to what he's saying. So he feels again, if I just get on the boat, and you know, and go out just a short distance. I think that would be the best thing to do. And apparently, it worked, because what we see is is that he's he gets on his boat, he sits down, and all these all the crowd was facing him. The whole crowd's facing him, and he just begins begins to teach them. I mean, I I'm the kind of person who likes to visualize things, as you know. And I do, I imagine just Jesus sitting on the boat and seeing this large crowd. I mean, I would imagine something like, yeah, Cone Stadium. I'm sitting and the crowd as big as all the seats in Cone Stadium just listening to him, watching him from this small boat. Well, apparently it worked because we're told that Jesus sat down on the boat and began to teach them. We're also told that he taught them in parables. And among those parables, was this particular one, the parable of the sower. Now, in case you didn't know, in case you didn't know what a parable was, a p all a parable is is a short story that illustrates, um, that teaches a, a, a moral or a spiritual lesson. So it's just a story about something relevant, something anybody can relate to, but it's meant to teach a short, I mean, it's meant to teach a, a moral or spiritual lesson. But before he begins, he says, listen. Now in the original language, listen means to hear, to hear, to understand in order to learn about what is being said. So it's as if Jesus was saying, listen, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you so you can understand. Pay attention, like, he's, again, I can just focus. He's telling them, focus, focus, focus. Just listen to what I'm about to say. Then he begins to tell them the, stor the story of the sower who went out to sow seed. So again, let's pick up in, in verse 3. Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, this occurred. Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up right away since it didn't have deep soil. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it didn't have root, it withered. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce a crop. Still others fell on good ground, and it produced a crop that increased 30, 60, and 100 times what it was sown. Then he said, anyone who has ears to hear should listen. You can also... With this, the story of the, sow, the sower and the, and the seed... You can also view it as a seed planter that went out to sow, went out to plant some seeds. Now, the reason 
he used this image because it was something that the crowd can relate to. And that's something I, I, I like, I find really interesting about Jesus is that he was always able to speak to the crowd in relatable terms. He was just a person just like you and me. He didn't have, you know, he wasn't high and mighty. He didn't have this great, and what I mean by that, you know, he wasn't known by everybody. He just had common vocabulary. You know, he had that verbiage that everyone can relate to. And so he was using these images that they were familiar with, that they were able to easily understand. Because you see, as they traveled around, especially those that had come from far away to, to see him, they had seen these seeds scattered around, around these different places. And maybe they, they even, that was part of their jobs for some of them. Their job was to scatter seeds for whoever owned the land. Now, as this parable was, so, was told, when the seed planter scattered the seed, it fell on four distinct places. It fell on a path, it fell on a rocky ground, it fell among, among thorns and on good soil. Now, each one of those places those seeds landed on had different results. But ultimately, only one place that these seeds had, had, were scattered or thrown on had grown in abundance. Now, an in-depth study, if you were to do an in-depth study of just these nine verses, you will see it might reveal um, several themes that we can use and apply in our lives. But in order to save time, I only want to focus on one in particular that sets the foundation of this entire passage. And that's the importance of listening. I used to love it when, I, when a teacher was in high school, whatever teacher, in college and even throughout my different careers, the Academy, Border Patrol Academy, whatever it was, when they would do some, say something or do something to emphasize a point that would, that would, uh, would be in the exam. So for instance, I would have one instructor basically tap his foot three times, telling me, hey, this, listen up, this is gonna be in, ex in the exam. You know, I had other instructors that would just say, hey, listen, this is gonna be on a test. And here, you know, all of us, you see us all writing, writing things down. And I mean, I, I, that, was, that was awesome. That was like, you know, that was easy money. You know, I just loved it. That's one way, um, one example of listening. Now, also remember, remember that, remember that cute little boy on that YouTube video that wanted, um, that was trying to have a serious conversation with, I'm, I'm thinking it was his mother, because, uh, you know, he, he wanted that extra, I think it was a cookie or a brownie. Um, it was on YouTube, and he kept saying, Lis Linda, listen. I'm sure you've seen it. That was cute. He was, he was asking her to listen. He was trying to have a serious conversation with her. And uh, again, to us as adults, it's, it's just it's funny. But, um, but he was trying to make a point. He wanted her to listen. You see, some, this is something I've learned. 
Wisdom is gained when you begin to really listen to what you may have heard a thousand times. I'll say that again. Wisdom is gained when you begin to really listen to what you may have heard a thousand times. Author and speaker Stephen Covey said this, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. President Lyndon Johnson also said this, if you're not listening, you're not learning. Now the Bible is also filled with valuable insights on the importance of learning. Proverbs 2.2 says, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. James 1.19 also says, my dearly, beloved, my, dear, my dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So let me ask you, when people that you care about are trying to teach you something, do you listen or do you only hear them? So many times we get caught up in everything that's going on and we're, we're, you know, and people that care about us are trying to tell us something and are trying to teach us something. And we're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm, I got it, I got it. Are you listening? Do you really have it? Do you really understand? How many times have you kicked yourself in the butt because you didn't listen, you didn't pay attention the first time? I know I have so many times. Man, I should listen to my wife. She's, she, she knows what I'm talking about. Should listen to my wife. I would have gotten myself out of so many predicaments if I just would have listened. but I didn't. And so now, you know, if you're a parent here, we, we, we try to teach that to our kids. Hey, pay attention, listen, this is valuable, this is a valuable lesson. A lot of times they, they don't wanna hear it. And that's fine, you know, because they're gonna fall down and they're gonna have to learn how to get back up. I mean, we're, we'll be there to get them up, to pick them up, but you know, they, we, we hope that they learn these valuable lessons as they fall down, as they mess up. But again, I'm sure that they, they're telling, they're kicking themselves in the butt, saying, man, I should have listened. I should have listened. Maybe for some of you, the Lord is trying to teach you something, and he's, and he's telling you right now, and he's telling you, listen. You see, everything the Lord wants to teach you is absolutely good and for your benefit. When, when you listen to God, you gain understanding. The more understanding you get, the more you'll trust in what God says. And the more you trust in God, the more you'll be transformed by what God says. I like that very much. When you listen to God, you gain understanding. The more understanding you get, the more you'll trust in what God says. And the more you trust in God, the more you'll be transformed by what God says. Don't be a fool and despise the wise instruction by the Lord. Rather, have a heart that says, Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. 
I wait for you all day long. So let's continue. Starting verse 10. When he was alone with the twelve, those who were around asked him about the parables. He answered them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside everything comes in parables, so that they may look and look, yet not perceive. They may listen and listen, yet not understand. Otherwise they might turn back and be forgiven. So after Jesus was done teaching the crowd these parables, the disciples began to inquire about them. In Matthew 13.10, I think it's a better description of it. In Matthew 13.10, it says, Then the disciples came, came up and asked them, Why do you speak to them in parables? Why? I mean, why don't you just teach them plainly? Why do you... Why, why do you have to talk to them in parables? And Jesus responds to their question with two answers. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And then the second, the second answer is, to those on the outside, everything comes in parables so that they may look and look and not perceive. They may listen and listen and yet not, yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. Jesus is tell, essentially telling his disciples, I'm going to reveal to you a truth about the kingdom of God that was once hidden. I'm going to I'm going to show I'm going to reveal to you the secret of the kingdom of God. You see the source of truth you see as a source of truth Jesus has the authority to to unlock and reveal the mysteries written with, written within written in the scriptures to whomever he wants. And once those truths have been revealed they're not meant to be kept as a secret. Jesus revealed this, this secret knowing full well that his disciples would share it to others so that eventually you and I will understand it. But the question you may be asking is, was Jesus implying that the entire crowd was undeserving of the truth about the kingdom of God? Well, first, I believe when Jesus said those on the outside, he was referring to those in the crowd that were stubbornly refusing to acknowledge the goodness of God, the goodness God was doing in Jesus or through Jesus. And among those group, among those in the crowd that were listening to him were the scribes and the Pharisees. These were the ones that look and look, yet not perceive. Listen and listen and not understand. Now secondly, from the previous three chapters, we've already looked and seen how uh, there were some who did believe and who did have faith, who did have faith in him. So I don't believe Jesus was referring to them as he quoted Isaiah. Therefore, I would conclude that even though they may not have understood the parable completely, they may have understood enough to grasp a general concept of it. It wasn't until the disciples revealed the exact meaning that they were able to completely understand what this parable meant. Now let me, let me put it this way. This is, I tried to think of a, a good description of what this means. Imagine if you had all the parts of a bicycle there in front of you, but the only person and the only reason you know that it's a bicycle because what a bicycle looks like is because the only person who has ever ridden a bike 
describe it to you. So you have all the pieces of a bike there in front of you, and and you don't. The only reason you know it's a bike is because, yeah, the only person that ever read, rode a bike described it to you. So if all you have is a general concept of what a bike looks like, would you be able to put all those parts and pieces together to build a bike? You think that just with a mental image, a description of what somebody else gave you, you'd be able to get all these pieces together and build a bicycle? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you got the chains, you got the screws, you got the, you know, the, the, the lights, you know, everything. You think with just a general image? Now, again, you have people coming up to you and tell you that's a, that's a car. That's, a, that's not a bike, that's a, that's a plane. You know, they, they refuse to see that it's, it's, it's a bike. Now, well, now imagine someone comes by and hands you the instructions on how to assemble that bike. And this is essentially what we have here is that I believe that, again, they understood a general concept. Or they had a good idea of what Jesus was talking about to those who were the inside, those who had that faith, those who believed in him. But it wasn't until the disciples came and revealed what this truth meant that they were able to fully understand it, fully grasp it. So just like, just like Jesus knew the hearts of those who were watching him from the crowd, he also knows your heart. He knows who has an attentive ear and who has purposely shut their ears, eyes, and heart. He knows who you are. You can't hide who you are from the Lord. He knows. He knows if your ears are shut, if you're purposely shutting your ears, because you know that if you open your ears, your whole life is going to be transformed and you might turn into this Jesus freak. You might turn into this, you know, hallelujah freak. But he's, he's you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not like that. It's not. When you look at my life, you'll see, I'm, you know, I, I love Jesus with all my heart. I mean, I, I, I understand what he did for him, but I'm not this crazy fanatic that you see out there holding these nasty signs and, and I just, the Lord knows me, I know him, and he knows my makeup, and, you know, and I understand that he died for me. And there's that relationship there. There's that connection. He knows those who are on the inside and those who are on the outside. Jesus says this about those who are on the inside. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Ephesians 4.18 says this about the crowds who are on the outside. Let me, write, let me go there real quick. I want to share that with you. Ephesians 4.18 It says, They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness, the hardness of their hearts. This is what he says about those who are on the outside. 
I believe God has so many things he wants to reveal to you. Uniquely just to each and every one of you. But he can't do that if you're, un, if you're unwilling to listen to what he has to say to you. If I have valuable information, I want to tell Cisco or Jacob or one of you to my wife. And it, 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 it could save their lives and it could save any future heartache. And they don't want, they're unwilling to listen. I can tell them, but it's not going to mean anything. It's not going to achieve anything. It's not going to affect any change. He wants to reveal things to you, but he can't. He can't if you're unwilling to listen to what he wants to tell you. He wants to draw near to you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to come inside you and change you and transform you and sanctify you and he wants to embrace you but how can he how can he if you just keep pushing him away how can he if you're just like no I'm good I'm good I, I, I got my life and I got my friends and I got my I got my thing going on here and I got this going on there you just keep pushing him away what God has to offer you is more precious than all the riches in the world it's more precious but he won't force it he won't force it on you you have to be willing to freely accept it he's there he's always been there and as long as you're alive he will continue to be there Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and have dinner with him and he with me. Yes, all you have to do is open up the doors of your heart. Come on, now let's, let's pick up and finish up. Um, let's pick up in verse 13 and get the, the meaning to this, to this passage. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then would you understand any of this parable? Actually, I broke this down and I want to I stop there. Jesus is saying that this parable is essential to understanding his other parables. He says, don't you understand this parable? How then would you understand the other parables? This parable here, the parable of the sower is essential to understanding the other parables. Then he tells them, then he begins the meaning. The sower sows the word. The first thing in this parable that Jesus clarifies is what the sower does. The sower is a person sowing the seed of the word of God. Here in this, in our story here, as told by Jesus, is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is a sower. Now for our purposes, the word is also sown by anyone preaching the word of God. It's all those who you've heard preaching, all those that have gone out and taught and preached God's word. The place where the seed is sown falls on the heart of a person who hears it. Now let's look at the first one. 
The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Now here we have an image of a path. What's a path? Basically all it is is a dirt road that is traveled on on a regular basis. The dirt from all the traveling is so compacted that the surface, the surface is hard. So any, feeds, any seed that falls on it can easily be picked up by, by birds. Now, the meaning of this image represents the hard heart of a person. It's a heart so hard, so compacted by people and life just being, it being walked over by so many people, by, you know, different situation, that the word of God can't penetrate it deep enough to take any root. Now, you know, a hard heart, if you think about it, it, it's caused by a variety of things. Yes, being trampled on and being neglected and all that, but a big cause, some other causes of a hard heart is stubbornness, pride, and arrogance. Now, another image you have is that of birds. Now, with the birds, he says it represents Satan. Now, what Satan does, what he's telling us here is that Satan comes in, swoops down, and snatches up the word that falls on the hard, on the hard heart. Satan sees that seed fall on the heart of a person. The word of God fall on the heart of a person. And he comes in, sees it, and just snatches it out. Satan's aim is to keep the word of God from penetrating your heart, from penetrating a person's heart. That's his aim. He's trying to see. He's trying to look. Who's not listening? Who's not paying attention? Who's just like, whatever, you know, I'll, this doesn't mean anything to me. I'm doing, I'm going to do my own thing. And she's looking. Because there are certain times, and each and every single one of you know this, that you hear something, you hear a passage, you hear a teaching, and you're like, yes, it's, it's speaking to me. Yes, it's, I, I, I need to apply that into my life. But as soon as you leave church, as soon as something happens, you, you forget, and you're just continuing your, in your ways. If it can, if it can't, if it can enter, if it can't enter deep enough, it will never be able to produce any fruit. If the word of God can't enter deep enough, you'll never be able, to, it'll never be able to produce any fruit in your life. Now again, I can recall a time that this was my heart as well. I would come to church, I would sit in the back, and I would think to myself, hey, yeah, that's a pretty good point. I need to apply that in my life. But as soon as I left church, as soon as my buddies would call me, hey, come over, we're having a pachanga over here, we're having this, you know, there I was, back in my old behavior and my wicked behavior. I'm not lying, I mean, ask my kids. <laughs> that was my life for a very long time. 
my heart was so hard that the word couldn't do what it was meant to do. So I would quickly forget and move on. Warren Wisby, and I, he, he's an awesome author. I would recommend any of his books. Um, he said this, hard hearts must be plowed up before they can receive the seed. And this can be a painful experience. And sure enough, there was plowing that was done in my heart. And it was, it was painful. It was hard, it was difficult. But I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for that plowing, for that plowing. I'm grateful. And I look at my life now, and it's, it's scary, you know, it's scary to think about that time. And I have to hold on to the Lord every single day so that my heart will never, ever go back there again. The second image we have is the word sown along rocky ground. Now within these rocks is a thin layer of good soil. The seed may sprout out, but whatever grows quickly withers, burns up, and dies. Basically, it burns up, and then it withers, and then it dies. The soil isn't deep enough for the seed to continue to mature and bear fruit. Now this represents the heart that is a thin layer of good soil. Of good soil. You see, the word comes in and it causes a joy. It causes an excitement. And you're like, yeah, that is awesome. That is great. I'm going to go and buy all these bumper stickers. And I'm going to go and, you know, and just do this and, you know, and do that. There's an excitement. There's an enthusiasm there. But that enthusiasm quickly burns away when it becomes difficult to follow Jesus, when it becomes challenging, when those trials come. Trials of like when people start making fun of you because of your faith. When the pressures of life start coming. When it just it seems like the whole world is crashing around you. It becomes too much to bear. And what happens is that that excitement, that enthusiasm, that joy dies. It withers away. And what happens shortly after that is that they give up. They fall away. Now, I've met many people who fall into this category. And it does, it, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because I've been there and I've got to witness that joy, that excitement, that enthusiasm when they accepted Christ. And what will happen is that time will pass by, things, you know, we, we, we go our separate ways. And maybe I'll bump into them a few months later or years later and their life is a complete mess. Their life is just a big mess. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch that. It's hard to hear about. 
you know, but if they only had someone there they, that they can talk to, if they were only really open to sharing what was going on with them, all that may have been avoided. That's why accountability, that's why discipleship, that's why having a close relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ is important. Now it's also important in order, in order to ensure that the soil of that the soil of your heart is deep and plentiful, it's vital that you hold on to the Lord during those difficult trials. It's, it's highly important. I, I can't stress it enough that you just need to hold on to, to the Lord during his trials. It says in James 1 verse 12, a man who endures trials is blessed because when he has passed, when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Hold on to him. Keep your focus on the cross. And don't let go. Endure. Endure. Endure these trials. During these trials. He's there. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. And when you, at the, and when you, when these trials end, on the other side of those trials, man, there's just, it says here, he will, receive, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, yeah, yeah, he may be talking about the, you know, at the end of our life, but there's rewards, there's riches at the end of these trials. There's growth and there's a closer relationship with God. The next image we have is the word sown among thorns. Others are sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. That's in verse 18. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the seduction of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This speaks not of a hard or shallow heart, but it, is, it speaks of an overly crowded heart. They allow the seed to enter in and grow, but they also allow everything else to enter as well. As soon as the word is received into their hearts and starts to shape that person, starts to transform that person starts to make an impact in that person. The cares of this wor world overwhelm it and it begins to drown out that, that word. So do you see what I'm saying? It, that word is received and it's like, yeah, you know, they understand it, they get it. But all those other things that are inside the heart, they come in and just choke it. They, they drown it out. They drown out what God is, 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 is starting to do in your life. Jesus tells that there are three that there are three that seem to do the most damage. The worries of this age primarily speaks of the financial problems of making ends meet. How many, how many of us at one time or another have had those worries? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to put clothes on you know, my kids' back? How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to make the car payment? I know we've struggled with it. 
It's those worries. And if we're not careful, those worries will drown out the Word of God, Him telling us, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, prayer and supplication. The seduction of wealth is another one that, that seems to do the most damage. This speaks of those who are preoccupied with how to make more money and how to have more toys. Is that what's on your mind? Is that what's in your heart? Is that all you think about? Is how am I going to make my riches? How am I going to make my millions and billions and trillions of dollars? How am I going to have that yacht? How am I going to have that, that, that Lamborghini? How am I going to have that Bentley? Is that, you know, what goes through your heart? Is that what consumes you? Yes, you have the word of God in your heart. You say, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and, and I, you know, I trust in the Lord and have faith and I've given my life to Christ. And I believe in what the Bible says, but if those things, the seduction, the, the seduction, seduction of wealth, is that, if that's what preoccupies your mind, if that's what is in your heart, it won't be long until you start making, you start compromising. And you start, you know, forgetting about all those things and saying, you know what, I, in order for me to get to this next level, I'm going to just step on the next person on the, on the bottom rung. I'm going to do whatever it takes, honest or dishonest. I want that toy. I want that money, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. The third thing, the third thing that seems to cause the most damage is the desire for other things. The desire for other things speaks about everything else that someone falsely believes will bring them happiness and contentment. Whatever it may be, whether it's your job, whether it's your car, whatever it's, whether it's, you know, uh, it could be a number of things. If you believe having these things, having a wife, having a husband is going to bring you happiness and contentment, it, it, it may for a short period of time. If you've been married for as long as some of us, you know, it's, it's, difficult. There's challenges in that. If you're consumed by other things, thinking that those things are going to make you happy, you're mistaken. Again, all it's going to do, it's going to choke out God's word. It's going to drown it out. And it won't be long again until it just you'll be ineffective as a Christian. All those other things won't bring happiness and contentment. Now, in order to avoid this from happening, your heart must, must find its complete satisfaction in Christ. There shouldn't be any room in your heart for anything else. No room. Your heart must be completely devoted, dedicated to God. He must consume your entire life, your entire heart. God doesn't want part of your heart. He doesn't want part of it. He wants all of it. It says in James 4.4, Adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. And in 1 John 2.15, we're told, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, 
Love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. Who are you friends with? Who, again, what consumes you? What is in your heart? I want to read from the Bible one more, one more verse here. It's in Luke. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Now, now when I read Luke, this is the word sown on good ground. This is Luke's, Luke's account of the parable of the sower. And in, rather than reading the whole thing, I just want to read to you. I, I think this description here uh, is, is actually more descriptive than, than what we have in Mark. Luke 8.15. It says, But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring bear fruit. Here we see what happens when the, when the seed of God's word is planted on good soil, good soil, when it's planted in a good heart, in a heart that is ready to receive it, in a heart that is ripe with the nutrients and it goes in there and it just, it's almost like natural that the word will just grow and take root. It produces an abundant crop, far more than was actually planted. Now this speaks of a person who has a heart, who has a, whose heart is soft and fertile. The word of God comes in, again comes in and implants itself deep within a person's heart. In time and in due season, that implanted word will produce an abundant amount of spiritual fruit. But this is what I like, uh, again, about what it says in, in Luke. These are the ones having heard the word with an honest and good heart hold on to it and by enduring bear fruit. So again, they have a good heart. They have a good and honest heart and they hold on to it. They hold on to the word. They, they heard, hold on to, the, to what they just heard spoken, the, the, the word of God that was just spoken to them. They hold on to it like treasure and saying, yeah, this is valuable. This is good. And this is what happened to me all those years ago. It finally clicked because I, I listened and I held on to it. And it just, 
I meditated on it. I, I let it sink deep within me. And, and you have all these, all these things happening. I have a soft heart. My, heart. my heart is now softened. I'm thinking about it, meditating about I'm, I've heard what was said. I've listened intently. And as I said, a few weeks later, I, I, dedicate, I gave my, my life to the Lord. And all just because my, I was, my heart was soft. It went in there and implanted itself. And I hope that when I get to heaven and when I'm face to face with the Lord, He'll tell me and He'll reveal to me all the fruit that it produced. Sometimes I, I do, I get discouraged and I'm like, man, I'm, a, I'm being unfruitful and I don't know I, you know, I don't see anything, I don't see. But I remind myself that it's not me, it's the Lord. He's just using me as an instrument. He's, he just wants to use you as an instrument. Even if you don't see any fruit now, again, in due time and in due season, you will see it. I believe that sometime soon there will be visible fruit that's being, that's, that will be there. But until then, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because that's what God is calling me to do. And, and you keep doing what God has called you to do. And you will see that fruit too in due time. Now what I believe is key, as I finish up here, what I believe is key in determining what kind of soil we have in our hearts is if we are intentionally listening to the Word of God. Not hearing the Word of God, but really listening. The best way to do that is by being open to what God has to say to you through His Word. The best way to do that is by being open to what God has to say to you through His Word, through the preaching of, this, of, of the Word. It's important that you constantly examine your hearts when you're about to hear the Word of God as it's being preached, before it's preached. As it's being preached, too. Lord knows, if your heart is heart, when you're hearing the word of God, Satan will come and snatch it away. If you're hearing it with a heart that only has a thin layer of good soil, it's only a matter of time before any joy that, that you have because of it will wither and die. If you're hearing it with a heart that is crowded with the cares of this world, it won't be long before the word you heard is choked out. The thorns, the thistles, the, the cares of this life, drown it out, choke it out. However, if you're hearing it with an open heart, you'll be like the person described in Psalm 1-3. Says he is like a she is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Maybe it's time 
maybe it's time you just stop and take the time to really listen to what Jesus has to say to you today. Maybe, maybe there's, you know, this whole message I've teached, I've taught and preached on, again, has gone in through one year, one year and out the other. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to you. And that's fine. I'm not, you know, bummed out about it because I know eventually it will. Someone, whether it's not me, if someone, you know, will come along and preach the word of God to you and it just will just hit you like a ton of bricks. You'll be like, oh man, that, I get it now. But if you, if, if what I said today, anything I've said today has impacted you, allow it to take root into your heart. Allow it to just go in there and let those roots just spread all over your heart. Continue to grow. Continue to mature. Continue to look into the, into the things of God, into the Word of God, and, and you'll see your life transformed completely changed and the person you are today will be nothing compared to the person you will be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But again, it just begins with that seed being implanted into your heart. Let's pray. God, our Father, you are good you've given us more than we can ask for more than we we can ask you've done so many things for us that we sometimes take for granted Lord, we, we ask for forgiveness if our hearts have been hard, if our hearts have been preoccupied with other things, if, we, if our hearts have just been lined with that thin soil because of the worries of, because of, the worries of life and persecutions. Lord, we ask right now for forgiveness and we ask that you come into us, Lord. May your word be implanted deep within our hearts so that it may grow into the abundant crop, into that wonderful thing that you created, created us to be, into that amazing vessel that you are shaping and forming. Lord, give us the ears to hear, Lord. Let us not walk away. Let us not continue to live our lives forgetting those things that you want to tell us, Lord. 
that you're forgetting those things that you're teaching us. We need you, Lord. Continue to fill us, Lord. Continue to pour, pour your spirit upon us, in us, and may that spirit be overflow so that others may may see it, Lord. So that we'll draw so others will draw near to you, so others will glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Fill us anew, Lord. Fill us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.